Welcome to the Vincennes First Church of God Sermon Podcast. My name is Will Huebner. I'm the lead pastor. And we're so thankful that you've decided to tune in and listen to us today. We hope that through this message and the Word of God, you will find not only that you are challenged, but that you are encouraged. Here at Vincent's First Church, we believe that it's our job to create kingdom culture. And we hope that you'll join us Sundays at 10 o'clock. We love you and enjoy. Not sure if you were thinking that uh, last week would be the end of the series with, with baby Jesus, but it's not. So one more week, we're going to ask that question one more time. What, what is a story without its characters? What is Christmas, this history we celebrate without the coming of the Messiah? Today we're going to wrap up the series, People of Christmas, a series focused on the characters that bring this season to life and how their lives give us insight on how we can respond to Jesus. But as this season comes to a close and we face the dawn of a new year, a lot of times we ask the question, what now? I believe that was the dilemma that was facing the wise men They had foreseen the coming of Jesus. They followed the star to see him. They knelt down and worshiped him. But then what? What did they do after that? How many of you here today, you've been to some type of church camp, maybe a mission trip, maybe a convention, or maybe even an Emmaus walk? Do you remember your experience? Do you remember what it was like coming home? Almost every time for me, I came home, home from one of those, I was impassioned, I was encouraged in my faith. But how long did it last? How long did it take me to fall back into the pattern of my old self? And even though I'd argue that, that each trip was vital in my development, and that every experience sent me home with new ideas and a deeper faith, one thing remains true These spiritual highs that we experience cannot last forever. At some point, we have to come home and face the reality of life and responsibility. And that real faith is not developed or reliant strictly on emotional highs. Instead, real faith is continuing to trust and grow and see God every day. See, I imagine that's exactly what the wise men were going through on their way home After being in the presence of of Jesus and heading back home, I'm sure they wondered, what now? And is that also the same question that we face at the close of this season? As the Christmas music fades, the breaks that we experience will end. Please, God, hopefully people stop giving me sweets to eat. And everything will get back to normal. But maybe normal is not necessarily what we want. As we stand at the precipice of a new year, maybe there's some things that we want to do differently. Spiritual goals that will challenge us to be faithful in the spiritual valleys and faithful at the mountains. And this morning we're going to investigate the narrative of these wise guys and see the truth that their journey holds for us as we face another year. If you have your sermon outline and you want to fill in the blanks as we go along, feel free to do so. This is the first one. God cares about the people far from him. God cares about the people far from him. 
This morning, I, I want to show you a, a picture. This is a picture that was taken on my wedding day 13-something years ago. Obviously, I'm the handsome one in the middle. If you go uh, from left to, I guess, yeah, make sure you're left to right. There's Micah. He was my best man, my best friend in college. He lives in Colorado. I have Austin. He lives in Memphis. He was my best friend growing up. And then next to me are my brothers. The oldest brother to, to my left is uh, in Las Vegas. The other one's in Kansas City. Then my roommate and, and another best friend from college, Leo, he lives in Florida. And then Brian lives in Oklahoma City. So here we have this picture of all of us together on this special day celebrating me and, and the greatest decision that I ever made in my life. And none of these people live anywhere near me, even though they're probably the people that mean the most to me. But what's interesting is that their location does not affect my ability to love them. It doesn't even affect our friendship. In fact, even though we don't talk that often, when I do call them up, it's like no time has passed at all. See, I think this is what God is trying to communicate to us. It doesn't matter how far we are from him, he still loves us. Our location, our heritage, it doesn't affect his love for us. Do you realize how incredible it is that the wise men get to be a part of, of Jesus' birth narrative? Not only are they not Jewish, they're, they're foreigners. And I think it's imprudent of us if we don't ask ourselves, why would God draw them to himself? Why? Because Scripture tells us that, that God desires for all to find salvation. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to do what came to seek and save those who are lost. It didn't say those who are just a little bit lost. <laughs> it says all that are lost, no matter how lost, no matter how far away. That's why Jesus came. He came for the shepherds that were dirty. He came for the wise men who were far from him. Luke 15, 7 says this, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus came to seek and save the lost and all manners of how we get lost. Even those of us who believe, what are we? We're prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. And it's okay that we lose our way sometimes, but Lord knows we don't want to get stuck there. And I think that's why it's so important that we understand the heart of God. See, that's the beginning to understanding how much he loves you and that his love for you isn't contingent on how close you are or how much you feel him. Can you not see how much he recognizes you and loves you, his creation? This same father that the prodigal son talks about, that he recognized his son even when he was a far way off, he sees you too. The son that disgraced his father by asking for his inheritance before his father's death. The son that, that left home so that he could live sinfully and do whatever he wanted. Have you ever given thought to how amazing it is how quickly the father recognizes his son when he's on the way home? After years of, of wild living and pig wrestling, his father still knew that it was him. Guys, I can pretty much guarantee you that he did not look the same when he was coming home. And I promise you, he didn't smell the same. 
But the father still meets him where he is on his journey and helps him home. And you know what the good news of the gospel is? That father, the father of the prodigal son, that's our father. He knows what happened to you in the distant land and he doesn't care. He loves you anyways. He knows your heritage. He knows your blood. He knows your ancestry. And guess what? He knows more than you do and he still loves you. All the things that you've done in your life that are evil and unbecoming, all the thoughts that are nasty, he knows them. He still loves you. All the things that you're afraid to admit, he knows them. He still loves you. All the things that have happened to you, he knows. He still loves you. But the truth of this power is gone if we don't believe it. If you refuse to go home, if you refuse to follow the stars to Jesus. The wise man's experience, along with the parable of the prodigal son, they illuminate something really important for us. That if you go looking for God, you can find him. In fact, he wants to be found. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you do what? When you seek me with all your heart. The Christmas season has come. The new year is ever before us. Are you hoping that anything will be different this year? The truth from the Magi's journey is, is not just that God cares about those far from him. It's this idea that Jesus made a way. He made a path where there was no way. He made it so that we didn't have to stay far away from him anymore. And how many of us would say that in 2024, we'd like to have access to more peace We'd like access to more joy, more love, more patience. See, like the wise man did, like the prodigal did, we have to decide to do something different. We have to decide to go home. Maybe that means for you something different than it means for me. Maybe for you it means reading a Bible plan and starting one. Maybe it means going to a Bible study or a Wednesday night class. Maybe it means finding somewhere to serve. Maybe it means finding in, uh, something that's really powerful that you can support financially that, that helps other people. Maybe it's about setting a, aside more time to pray. Maybe it's about taking a, a, a season to, to fast all secular music. Maybe it's about starting a, a family devotional time. I, I don't know what that looks like, but regardless of where you are, God cares about you. And he wants you to know him better. I mean, think about it. God knows you better than you know yourself. It says that, that he has the hairs on your head numbered. And some of you are thinking, well, that's not too hard because there's not many up there. No, but he knows the follicles. And it says that he has them numbered. So it's not like, hey, this number is, or you have this many. He goes, this hair is number 523. That's incredible. That's how well God knows you. And, and he's not saying this in, in a way where he's like, I need... I need to know you more. No, God knows everything about you. And that's the beauty of this because he's saying, even though I know everything about you, I still want to be with you. I want to be close to you. And I want you to know me. That's how he feels. He wants you to know his promises. He wants you to know how much that he loves you. In a world where we feel far from him, man, we can cling to knowing that he cares deeply for us. Let me go to the next piece. Jesus is Lord. You can either worship him or silence him. Jesus is Lord. You can either worship him or silence him. These wise men or, or magi are traveling from a distant land. 
They've seen the signs of the coming of the Messiah and the stars, but they need more info. So they stop in Jerusalem to ask for directions. That's what I'll read to you, Matthew 2, 1 through 4. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. Upon hearing the news from foreigners, no less, the king is troubled. And of course, why, why wouldn't he be troubled that a new king has been born? And not just any king, but a king in the line and lineage of David, someone who threatened his position, somebody who threatened his power, somebody who threatened his way of life. And so Herod sought to protect his throne by murdering innocent children. Matthew 2.16, then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent all and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years or under. You may not like it, or you may be here today because you want to worship him, but regardless of how you feel, Jesus is Lord. And we all have the same choice to respond to he who sits on the throne. We can seek to worship him or we can seek to kill him. And I know that that language seems harsh and it makes it easy for us to assume that we're nothing like Herod, but our lives can tell a different story. I know mine can. And maybe we would never murder babies to keep our throne, but there are plenty of subtle ways that we attempt to dethrone Jesus in our lives. Plenty of, of, of ways we stifle the work of the Spirit so that we can cling to worldly comforts. We do it by ignoring God's Word in favor of what makes sense to us or what seems fair to us. And I need to be careful because I, I never want to paint a picture that obedience equals favor. But I think that that's a misunderstanding of, of what the law is it's like a child thinking that not being allowed to stick a fork in an electrical outlet is some type of ancient and antiquated rule from authority just trying to enforce limitations on fun. No, if you stick a fork in there, you're dead. That's not shocking. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes the dad jokes come to me. And I can't hold them back. I'm a dad. What, what am I supposed to do? Guys, we, we have to stop letting culture decide what wisdom from God is worth abiding in. Otherwise, we, we end up facing the consequences that God wanted to avoid, wanted us to avoid. And what's worse, sometimes we do it anyways, and then we blame him for it. Paul tells us in Scripture that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. He, he's telling us, you have the free will to do whatever you want. In a post-Jesus world, there's even a grace that is sufficient for everything. But he's also warning us that even though the law can't save you, the law can't help you. It can help you from the trouble that is caused by sin. The pain that's caused by sin. He's basically saying, if you want to, you can eat a rotten orange. But why would you want to? You won't die. You'll be left with this nasty taste in your mouth. And you might even have a stomachache. See, the wise men came to honor Jesus as Lord and King, and that means living under his authority. Herod, on the other hand, he refused to give up his authority. 
because he thought that living under somebody else's authority felt like slavery. And so Paul goes on and tells us, listen, all things are permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Why? Because Paul realizes that true slavery comes from the addictive nature of sin. This is what Satan does, right? He makes the path of God look like slavery and the path of sin that leads to death look like freedom. And Paul chimes in to say, listen, you can take whatever path you want to, but I'm going to tell you right now, your path doesn't lead to a great place. You're headed towards a mousetrap, and I'm sure that cheese is going to be delicious, but at what cost? So, so what do we do? Now, this is going to shock you guys, I'm sure. But the handsome guy that stands before you today was not always so handsome. In fact, in high school, girls were not lining up around the block to date Will Hebner. okay? Just wasn't happening. And so when I was a junior, there was this girl that showed interest in me, and I was like, look, girl, pretty attractive. So I decided that I was going to date her solely on looks. Okay? And then I took her home to meet mom because I was proud, right? And I asked my mom, mom, what do you think? But when I asked, I didn't really want to know what she thought. I just wanted validation. To which my mom said, honey, I don't think this is the girl for you. Mom, mom, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted you to say, yes, this girl's awesome. You should stay with her. That's not what she said. My mom spoke the truth that I didn't want to hear, so I ignored her. To which nobody's surprised here led to regret. Why? Because the mama's always right. Okay. The question is, though, why did I ask if I didn't want to listen? Why do we come to church if we don't want to listen? Why do we read our Bibles if all we want to do is back up what we already believe? This is what Luke says, Luke 6, 46 through 49. Jesus calls it out plainly. He says, why do you call me Lord and then don't do what I tell you? Jesus is saying, that makes no sense to me. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is a man building a house who dug a deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and a stream broke against that house, it could not shake it. Why? Because it had been built well because it had been built by the word of God. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who builds his house on ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Different than most kings, Jesus doesn't force his will upon us. He offers us his kingdom freely and the benefits of it if we so choose. But in order to choose Jesus, we also have to choose surrender because the benefits of his kingdom aren't found solely in belief but in obedience the faith of trusting what he says to ask his opinion and then put it into practice the solid rock foundation of his kingdom is built on the word of God and built to build our houses on that rock we got to build his way not because he's selfish but because his way is the only safe way his way is the only way that works which brings us back to the wise men and Herod. Both of them sought Jesus. Both sought the word that had became flesh. 
Some worshiped him, some killed him. What about you? How might you seek to apply God's word in your life in the coming year? How might you say to him, I surrender, you are my Lord? Let me go to the last piece. Experiencing Jesus face to face will transform you. Experiencing Jesus face to face will transform you. I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma for five years. One of my students uh, lived about 30 minutes outside of town in a place called Bridge Creek. And she was, a, she was a pretty good ball player. She played on the basketball team. And so as her youth pastor, I wanted to go to a game and support her. Well, this is the first game that I ever gone to, to go out here to Bridge Creek to go to this game. And so obviously, I, I, I mean, this is like podunk, guys. I mean, it's like middle of nowhere. So I'm driving out there, and obviously I'm relying on the GPS because I've never been there before. I don't, I don't know where I'm going. And I finally get close enough to where I can see the high school, but the road that I need to take to get there is closed. And the only road left to take is a one-way, and it's not in my favor. And so I'm sitting here at this impasse where my GPS cannot help me any longer, and I'm staring at this road. I see the high school. I'm trying to decide what to do. I look around. Nobody's coming. So I'm like, you know what? Full send it. I'm just going to go the wrong way on this road. So I pull in, I, I start getting on this road, whoop, whoop, pull over, cop gets out of the car, says, excuse me, sir, did you know this was a one-way? Yep, sure did, officer. <laughs> Decided to go for it anyways. I explained to him, I said, officer, I'm so sorry, I'm from out of town, I'm just a poor youth pastor try to support my kid. I played it up, and he was, he was really nice. He, he escorted me, and, and he helped me get where I was going. See, I, I, I think this is exactly what God does for the wise men. I want to read this, Matthew 2, 10 through 12. When they saw a star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Sometimes we get to impasses in life where the road is closed or where the road needs to be closed. And it is God who leads us to the right path. And maybe I'm reading too much into the potential symbolism here, but it's striking to me that after being in the presence of Jesus, the journey of these wise men changes. God warns them of Herod and so changes their route home. This idea that, that after we encounter Jesus, we're just not the same anymore, that some of the roads that we once traveled are now closed, and we simply can't go back to who we once were because the old is gone and the new has come. Romans 12, 2 paints the idea that we are either being conformed to the world or transformed by Jesus Christ, a transformation that affects every level of our being, a transformation of mind and body and spirit. But it's not an instantaneous transformation, but it's one that sets us on a new path. 
You know, the ignorant thing that we do sometimes is that we think that the wise man's journey home was smooth and easy. <laughs> Y'all, they were probably on camels. There ain't nothing smooth or easy about that. All we know is that the Magi were traveling from the east, and they showed up when Jesus was a child. Because of this, we, we speculate that they traveled anywhere from a month to two years. That's a pretty big gap. But whether it was two years or whether it was a month, that's a, that's a long time to be traveling. A journey that would have taken a lot of time, included a lot of stops to rest, maybe even stops that, that, that took as long as a week to heal or to recover, to resupply, to let the animals rest. And we don't know how old the Magi are, so we have no way of knowing how many times they had to stop. Can I get an amen on that? You ever tried to take Grandpa somewhere? You know it's true. Don't look at me like that. Can you relate to that? I know I can. Sometimes I get there where I feel stuck in my faith. And the temptation in those plateaus is to think that we've hit a dead end. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Every journey Every spiritual journey is filled with valleys and mountains and plateaus. And this verse is a promise that God has not abandoned you. Sometimes the road gets harder. Sometimes you're forced to, to slow your pace. But none of that is evidence that God is finished in your life. I want to read Deuteronomy 31.8. It is the Lord who goes before you. It is the Lord that will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, so please do not be dismayed. I want to read that one more time. It is the Lord who goes before you. It is the Lord who will be with you. He will not leave or forsake you. This blows my mind. I'm just saying this right now. Here we are in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, and it is speaking truth of the prophecy of what God would be for us. We have a God who goes before us. We have Jesus Christ who came to be with us, and then we have the Holy Spirit that will not leave us and forsake us who will stay with us, who will be in us, so we have no reason to fear or be dismayed. This means that like the wise men, God is happy to illuminate our way. That's what Psalms 119, 105 says, that he is a word, that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, a path that is founded in love, 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to, to know and believe the love that God has had for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What is this verse telling us? It says that when you encounter Jesus Christ and you experience his radical love to be real for you in your life, it changes you. You have no choice but, but to be different. And it is that love that we are first loved us that then we are called to go and love the world. I'm going to have Charlie come back up, and he's going to lead us in a song. And I, I want you to think about this. There really isn't anything that special about a new year. But what it does is it represents a new beginning. 2023 is over and gone, and you can't walk its roads anymore. But 2024 is here, which means that there are new roads that need to be traveled. 
Opportunities to let God's word light your path forward. Opportunities to love like he has loved you. The question for us is, what, what, what path do we want to take? I love preaching. But I think one of the challenges of being a preacher is that I'm faced twice a year with Easter and Christmas. And both times a year, like, you guys know what I'm going to preach. So I got to come up with some, like, creative way to try to, you know, do it in a different way. And, and that's what we, we build up our momentums to these, these special Sundays, right? And we even make fun of the people in the community that, that only come those two Sundays. But we are no better than them if we sit here in church and by next year, we haven't changed a bit. God sent his son so that we could have peace and joy so that we would love and be loved. And if we've missed that this season, we've missed everything. So I really feel like the wise men's, their, their story to us is so powerful because it's a, look, look what we can do now. It's time to go home. It's time to get back in the season of, of what we do. It's time to go back to school, time to go back to work, time to go back to all of this. But we don't want to go back the same. We want to go back with a better attitude. And the only way that's possible is by not relying on our circumstances. Because maybe you had a really great Christmas and you're like, you're on a high and it's like easy to get back and say, woo, I'm happy. But what happens when something bad happens? Well, God's not good anymore. That peace we can cling to is there all the time. Because Jesus came so that we'd have an opportunity to get on our knees and go to him anytime, anywhere. That's the benefit of this season. So as we face the new year, let's make this goal. Let's not be sitting here in the same spot next year, the same person. Let's decide that 2024 is going to be a year where our relationship with Jesus Christ grows.